I just see you out there, Cal. I've talked to like 19 basketball people in three hours. Arizona Sports, our son's mega mind, Kellen Olsen, joining Wolf and Luke to talk about the Phoenix Suns now. All right, Suns get the win last night, 123-109. Series even at one apiece, heading to Game 3 in L.A. tomorrow. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. You can read his stuff on Arizona Sports always, but you can specifically read his story about Devin Booker reviving the Suns last night. Kellen Olson joining us. Kellen, what's going on? What's up? Thanks for having me. Why are you up this early? <laughs> I, figured you, I figured you'd be like waking up at like 1. What happened? What, you guys didn't get home at 2 a.m. like me? I'd, no, oh not goodness. quite. <laughs> We're fine. It's that time of year. Glad to be here. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start with uh, the obvious. Devin Booker, somebody had to take over in that game. Uh, I think it's it's uh, even more impactful because it was Booker. You know, if KD had done it, obviously we would take it. But because it's the guy that's been here forever, uh, it just seemed to give this team an extra jolt. It certainly gave the crowd a jolt. What, uh, what stood out to you from that run, specifically in the second and third? Yeah, just how hot their offense got, right? I don't know if this is exactly what I pictured when it came to just like the capabilities and the ceiling that this team had with these four guys specifically. But I think if you look at what what occurred, I mean, 67.5% is what they shot in the middle quarters. They just got absolutely white hot as an offense, and a lot of it had to do with what Devin Booker did. And it was just a lot of having multiple options, spacing, and playing with a little bit of pace. It just seemed like they finally found what they were looking for offensively. And I think the biggest question is, how much of that is going to translate directly to Game 3 and Game 4? Is this an is this one of those things where the Suns kind of figure some things out and they're going to be able to take us into the rest of the series, or was it just one of those occasions where they got white hot offensively? I'm, I'm not really sure, and that's why I'm really fascinated by Game 3. So who do you think was the unsung hero if you had to pick one guy? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one, Wolf. I, I would say Torrey Craig. Uh, Chris Paul said it last night. His five threes that Craig hit, all five of them were timely. I think in the mm-hmm. second quarter... During that run where the Suns scored on 10 of their last 11 possessions to end the first half, he hit two threes during that stretch. And then in the third quarter, when the Clippers were getting back to within four or five, Craig hit two different threes at two different stretches. And then he hit another one in the fourth that was under similar circumstances when the Clippers were again kind of getting back within the game. He was he was hitting really timely shots. I think the rhythm of finding him open in that corner was just a lot more Natural. I think that what we were seeing in game one was just the Suns not really giving into their kind of clean looks that we're used to seeing off of ball movement. I think that all five of Tory's threes were just a, a direct product of the Suns getting into their sets a little bit easier. And I just really thought that the offensive process, especially from the mid-second quarter on, was, was, was miles better compared to what we were seeing before that. Talking to Kellen Olsen, uh, Kellen, again, six players played off the bench, but three of them barely played at all. So it was essentially like an eight-man rotation. And, I, and you know, look, nothing has to be final from one game to the next, but kind of going back to what you were saying uh, earlier, do you think Monty Williams maybe has a better grasp of who he wants to use in the series now going forward? Well, guys, he needs to have one because Kevin Durant and Den Booker cannot average 45 minutes a game in the playoffs. That is not sustainable, to say the least. Uh, Booker got two minutes and 31 seconds of rest in the second quarter, and that was it. And he was 
just the, the amount of energy that he was still able to utilize a couple of minutes left in that game. Like, he just had so much saved up, and he's in incredible shape. But with that being said, they've got to not only figure out who their guys are, but give those two guys a little bit more of a break. I think that the thing that it seemed like, I don't know if this was a direct adjustment with the way the game was going or not, but one of the first adjustments was that Kevin Durant played the entire first quarter. And then coming out of the second quarter or coming out of that break, it was like, okay, who's the ninth guy? Who's KD going to come out for? Okay, there's TJ Warren, Wade, Devin Booker's coming back on the floor again. Is he supposed to rest after playing a full quarter? And that, that was one of those things where they, they just need to find breaks for those guys. That They just need to. They cannot rely on them both to play that heavy of minutes. And look, if it relies on the bench a little bit too much, that's where you would hope the return of campaign would ease the relief for those two guys. And it's not the same minute total, but Chris Paul 38-39 feels a little bit too high as well. Um, that's not to say that the decision to play those minutes were incorrect for those two because they needed to win one of these games. And with the way it was going, it wasn't going to work any other way. But they've got to find another solution at the same time, or else this is just not going to be sustainable for the championship run that everyone expects this team to go on. Killer, how did you think DeAndre Ayton played? Oh, man, I thought it was one of those DeAndre games where we would need an entire segment to talk about the way that DeAndre played to really hit on everything here, but I'll try my best here in whatever it is, 60, 90 seconds, right? I thought that the mid-range buckets that he hit in the early second quarter, mid, mid-second quarter, were really important because they weren't just getting, they were getting consistent offense from nowhere. And for them to just get three or four middies from him when it, when that shot was falling for him uh, was big. I, I don't know what was going on defensively, guys, but they were giving up way too many layups at the rim and the dribble penetration they were giving up, but then their rim protection as well. It felt like DeAndre and Kevin both, particularly DeAndre, just weren't coming over to protect the rim. And, and I don't know why. I, I don't know what was going on. If it was a defensive coverage mishap, if it was just those guys messing up in particular, I, I don't really know. But that just can't happen. They just can't have, especially with two seven-footers on the floor, they just can't have that lacking of, of rim protection. And DeAndre was the one guy where it really stood out, and it was the main reason why the Clippers were able to keep hanging around in that game despite how nuclear the Suns got from uh, the floor offensively. So I think that defensively, it was one of those games that was worrisome about DeAndre just because it felt like he was disconnected from the game. Offensively, he was better. It was great to see him get three offensive rebounds. I think that that's the bare minimum for him in these kinds of games, to be honest. But defensively, he's going to see the tape, and the Suns are going to see the tape, and they're going to want to see a lot more. We're talking to Kellen Olsen. Uh, Kellen, I guess there's there's a few ways to, to view that game last night. You could certainly look at it and say, okay, the Suns woke up and we were waiting for this and now look out. Or you could say, if you want to be a skeptic, you could look and say, man, it took a monster effort from Devin Booker for them to win this game that, yes, was a 14-point difference, but it, it was close basically until, I don't know, midway through the fourth quarter. How do you view this? Do you think what they did last night was sustainable? I don't think shooting 67.5% over two straight quarters is sustainable, but I think that them having their offense run that way is sustainable. And what I mean by that is the decision that they've got to start making here, uh, Chris Paul was good in the fourth quarter. He, he was very good. In fact, and it was we were starting to see signs of him being himself again. But the offense looked much better with someone else running point guard. It just has to be said. It, it looked better with Devin Booker running that spot. So the decision that they've got to make going into game three is how much they want to continue to let Chris run the offense because Kevin mentioned it last night, like they had more pace. And I think Chris said the same thing uh, post-game with Al and and how 
the pace was better as well. So they've got to find some middle ground here in terms of getting their pace up, specifically in the half court and things like that, because when Devin was running the offense, it finally had that pace that they were looking for. And this has been not so much a problem, but just a consistent talking point with Chris specifically in the postseason and they want to play fast and they're and they're saying to play fast but for whatever reason they just don't play as quickly as they should be and everyone when i says that thinks about steve nash running the ball up and down the floor that's not really what we're talking about we're just talking about getting the ball across half court within three or four seconds so you can get into your offensive sets quicker so if it doesn't work you've still got 13 12 seconds left on the shot clock instead of seven or six when you've got a panic so i i think that pace is a huge thing that can just help them transfer a lot of this to game three. But but the thing is, like I thought that game was Devin Booker has figured them out. He's cracked the code. He's moving the test pieces all over the place. He's just figured them out. Uh, Tyler's going to have more to throw at him in game three, game four, game five, and so on. Like That was just round two or whatever you want to call it of, of the defenses that Lou was going to throw at Booker specifically. So they've got to be ready for that. It's not going to be the same thing on uh, Thursday. And Killer, as you know, Monty took a lot of heat after game one. How'd you think he did in game two? I thought he I, I thought he did fine. I, to be honest, Wolf, where I start to get critical of coaching staffs the most is when problem areas persist over the course of a series. I think offensive rebounding against the Pelicans last year was one of those. But if you look at the areas that you wanted to see cleaned up and the areas that were a point of emphasis for them, I'm surely in prep leading up to this game, there was three point attempts. They only took 24 after 19 in game one. That's just not enough. You're going to lose the math there. Not nine times out of ten, but you're going to have to shoot 64% from the mid-range like they did to make up for that. Offensive rebounding was another one. They went down from 15 to 12. It's not that great of an improvement, but it still is. But the Clippers had 21 second-chance points, and a lot of them were three-pointers where the Suns know that the Clippers are getting offensive rebounding opportunities, so there's even more urgency for them to recover the shooters in those situations, and they just didn't have it in that game. And then the rotation, I mean, 45 seconds into the second quarter, Josh Okoge was already coming back in for Landry Shamit. Damian Lee had that weird three-minute stretch where it just seemed like, again, he was looking for answers and looking for the right guys. So I, I, I thought he was okay, Wolf, but I think that they overall have to be much better at getting the clear points of improvement. Because I think that after two games of a postseason series, you can look at a team being in a position like this and say, man, like they, they can do this, this, and this like better, but how do they fix these things? Like Everything that the Suns are doing wrong right now is correctable, and a lot of that most of the time just has to fall on the coaching staff. Kellen Olsen, great stuff as always, man. Know you're busy. Thank you for the time. Thanks, Killer. Thanks, guys.